Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome to Sunday service. Today is uh, April 10th, 2022. Today, we are going to be talking about how to underwrite or analyze a deal. Man, it is such an undervalued and really not talked about skill enough, to be honest. It is something that some people build an entire business around. They build their entire business around underwriting, comping, and looking at deals. So first and foremost, let's start off with talking about the difference between underwriting, comping, and analyzing. Because in some ways they're similar, and in other ways they are completely, completely different. Analyzing a deal and underwriting a deal are essentially the same thing. Okay, Underwriting a deal and comping a deal are not the same thing. Analyzing a deal and comping a deal are in some ways the same thing. So let's talk about it. Analyzing is very literal. I'm going to analyze. I'm going to um, give it an analysis. I'm going to look at that deal. Analyze. It's not something that a lot of people do or talk about in this industry. Most of the time, people are saying one of two things. They're saying I'm underwriting or I'm comping. So what is the difference between underwriting and comping? Well, comping is I'm actually looking at a comp, right? Or a comparable property. So Usually we use the word comp when we are talking about wholesaling or fixing and flipping. When we are talking about buying something with creative finance or we're talking about something with the Burr strategy or long-term rental or maybe um, building something, something where money is going to have to be in there long-term, that is underwriting, okay? Utilizing and looking at every part of the deal, um, mapping it out, a lot of times using a spreadsheet or a calculator of some sort, that is underwriting. So when we're underwriting a creative finance deal, it is interesting the three things that we go into, and we're, we're going to talk about that today, okay? Um, comping, on the other hand, is very quick. You'll see this happen on my wife's YouTube channel all the time. She's constantly comping and looking at deals. Um, in fact, my wife and I are going to continually comp deals every Saturday and Sunday on her channel on YouTube, just so you guys can get that live. She's going to actually look at addresses and comp those addresses live, okay? A lot of people in here already. We've got well over 400 people between our YouTube and Facebook groups. Guys, if you are currently watching on Facebook, um, I would move over to my YouTube. It's where most of the people are hanging out. So if you're trying to network with people, get to know other people, my YouTube channel is usually where people hang out, not only here, but also on Wholesale Hotline. The majority of people are hanging out on my channel. So youtube.com forward slash Pace Morby. You've got right here um, on Pace Morby Facebook group and Creative Finance Facebook group, we've got a combined roughly 40 people. So you guys that are over there on Facebook, either you don't have YouTube or you just haven't figured it out yet that most of the people are hanging out over on YouTube. It's a little bit easier and more user-friendly. So migrate over to YouTube. You'll meet a lot more people over there. Cody Barton, how you doing? Right on time. Good. How are you? I'm good, man. Um, tonight, we're going to be talking about analyzing, underwriting, comping deals. And I was just telling people that comping deals and um, underwriting deals is actually not the same thing. No, it's definitely not. I mean, comping deals is just establishing a value. Analyzing is seeing what the deal structure is. Ooh, I like that. That's a great definition. Also, um, depending on the exit strategy, right, you're going to implement maybe different spreadsheets, different numbers. You're going to look at what's my cash on cash return if it's going to be a long-term hold. You're going to look at what's my interest rate, what's my down payment. You're going to be looking at a lot more things in an underwriting scenario than you ever would in a comping scenario. Oh, for sure. 
So tonight, I'm not sure if um, we are going to be talking about underwriting or comping, but I do have a, an address in Phoenix, Arizona, if you want to comp it for me. Yeah. Definitely. You down for that? I'm, I'm down. I've been getting a lot of addresses and a lot of emails from a company called New Western. And mm. for the most part, we usually do not um, buy a lot of deals from New Western. The reason being is they make us pay two sets of closing costs. Is that correct? Yeah, it's super expensive. Like, I mean, the last one we bought from them, it was almost $8,000 in closing costs. And why is that? Tell me why that is. They double close everything. Um, so they don't want the front end of their transaction being seen by everyone involved. So they do a double close for whatever reason. I don't understand why they why they do that, but it's just that's just how they do business. Okay, it's how they've done business for a long time, guys. So what that essentially means for a lot of people that don't know what double close means, let me show you just real quick on a little whiteboard, okay? So what that means is Great Western, or is it New Western, right? New Western. New Western is they are going, that's the name of the company. They go and they look at the MLS a lot of times, or they get wholesalers that send them deals, or they get agents that send them deals, okay? And so let's say that a deal is sent to them, and that deal is in the form of a contract, right? A wholesale contract. Well, mm -hmm. New Western doesn't want anybody seeing how much they're going to make. So what they do is they actually allow that transaction to go open up escrow at a title company. And then what they do is they require the buyer, because they're not the buyer. They require a buyer like us to come along and go, oh, so we're going to create two transactions. Transaction number one is where you pay these people, where they make their money over here. And they're going to get paid, right? This is transaction number one. And then we're going to create transaction number two between this contract and me. But unfortunately, because of the way Great uh, New Western does business, is they make us pay for the cost of closing escrow here, and they make us pay for the cost of closing escrow here. So the closing costs are 2x what they normally would be when we're doing business with, with New Western, okay? Now, New Western is in a lot of markets. A lot of people do buy deals from them. So if you guys are trying to buy a fix and flip, Going to a new Western is not a bad place to go, right? It's kind of similar to Keegley. Um, similar but different models. Keegley does not make you pay for two closing costs. And so there's an, a massive advantage of going with a Keegley over a uh, new Western. So today I'm going to have Cody actually underwrite and not underwrite. I'm actually going to have Cody comp this deal and tell us, the audience, if this is actually a good deal or not, something that we would buy. If not, uh, tell us why we wouldn't buy it. So, Cody, let's do a little screen share. I'm going to sh share my screen, and I'm going to give you the address to this house. And cool. let's, get it let's get it cranking. So the address is 25207 South, 195th place in Queen Creek, Arizona. So New Western sent me an email, guys, right here. Yesterday at 1.47 p.m., so Saturday, they're sending out deals, so that's pretty cool. Uh, the specifications of the deal, hopefully you guys can see this, but it's four-bed, two-bath, year-built 2001. Uh, purchase price is $350, so that means that we have to buy it at $350. That does not include our closing costs. So when we do business with 
New Western, would it be smart for us to Cody just say that New Western is selling us a deal at not 350, but probably 360 because of the closing? Yeah, costs? yeah, definitely. Three, okay, definitely closer uh, to 360. Love it. So this is what a lot of wholesalers simply don't understand is that wholesalers don't understand when you send me a deal, right? I need to account for me buying it from you. And there's closing costs attached to that. So they send us a full report. I don't know what that is, but we'll look at it in a second. Big mobile home in Queen Creek, living area, 2129 square feet um, and 3,200 square foot lot. That's pretty big ass lot. But $350,000 for a four bed. I don't hate it. I mean, prices, I, prices have been going up. So prices have been going up. Let's look at some more photos just real quick before you go through. Are you okay with seeing some photos of this bad yeah, boy? Yeah, let's do it. Um, guys, we're so happy to be here on Sunday service. This is such a fun podcast. I um, do other podcasts and sometimes I just crave coming on our own podcast and talking about what we want to talk about. Here we go. Queen Creek. So this is some, some shit. <laughs> um, they got, so we got a trash out. Oh, I don't like it when I can't just thumb through the photos really quickly. Oh yeah. They use like Google drive and they don't even use Google drive. They use like some other weird. So a couple of things I'm noticing right here. Do you see the plywood in the ceiling right here is actually not covered with drywall. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. Noticing that that's, uh, and we have also what, look what kind of door they have right here. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Sorry, I thought it was something else. Okay, so this looks like a fire damage house or some sort of water damage situation happened here. It doesn't make sense that the drywall is completely removed in the whole interior of the house. No. That's interesting. Okay, so they've got popcorn ceiling in here. All right. Let's see here. That's all the photos we got? You got a trashed out piece of shit house and you only gave me like six photos? I found more. It's on the, it's listed on the MLS too. There's 40 pictures on there. Okay, cool. What well, I'm going to let you take over yeah, and yeah, show yeah. us what we got, okay? All right, one sec here. Just want to keep the agent's info out of there. I'm sure he wouldn't appreciate that. Uh, okay. Isaiah uh, says, "Do you guys do business in the West Valley like Buckeye or Goodyear's?" Yes, we do. We For absolutely sure. do. If you guys have deals, please DM them to us. We now have a full-time person sitting in just my DMs all day long. His name is Andrew, and Andrew just looks at and underwrites deals all day long just from my DMs because it's gotten to a point where I needed help. Full screen that, bro. Can you see? All right. Yeah, I can see that. So this is what we got here. Wow. Damn. Their their pictures did not do this justice of, of what it actually looks like. <laughs> wow. Like what do you, what do you think happened here? Check I mean, Derek, Derek Barton says I walked it last week. It was selling for two eighty five last week. That's so funny. It's just getting date. It's it's so it's it's listed on the MLS for two ninety nine. So someone contracted it for under that, sent it out at two eighty five. Apparently, it sounds like Derek said, and then it's been pushed up to now being you know marketed at three fifty. So that's interesting. It's a good property. I mean, the land looks like they have some those look like horse stalls. Maybe I'm not an expert on on horses or I don't know what what type of animals would go in those chickens, goats, horses. Meth addicts. I don't know. Meth addicts. Yeah, meth addicts. <laughs> I think that those are stalls for meth addicts. 
shooting up stations. Oh, those are dogs. That's a dog breeding area, bro. Really? Yep, that's for dogs. Huh. So that, I mean, this all needs to be torn out. I mean, your initial thoughts on renovation, trash out, just from looking at it, what do you think, Pace? 80 grand. Yeah, it's 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 a big one. Um, and the lot, too. You know, almost an acre, not quite that 32,000 square feet. And there's a lot of trash to be removed, a lot of cleanup to do here. Yeah, I'd say 80 grand. I mean, you got insulation. You're going to have a lot more problems than you're even seeing right now. Yeah. Um, I, what do you think about caused that? Do you think that was like a roof leak? Had to have been a roof leak because it's all brand new um, plywood. Okay. So they put brand new plywood in there. Um, Looks like a new roof. Yeah. So they had a roof leak of some sort, like maybe a swamp cooler or something like that was leaking on only half the roof. Hmm. Um, okay, so the house is in decent shape. The thing is, in order for this to actually be a good deal, let's say I let's say we buy this for three fifty, right? Let me mm -hmm. let me just remove this immediately. Let me remove yeah, you yeah. for a second. Yeah. Let's pop Pick up, up the, the screen the, again. So let's say Cody, let's say we buy this for three fifty. Okay, mm -hmm. we buy it for three fifty. Yep. I already know that we're gonna have closing costs of let's say eight thousand dollars minimum. Yeah. So basically we're buying it for 360. Right. Yeah. We're buying it for 360. Um, so we're into it 360. Let's add eighty thousand dollars of reno. And then let's add ten thousand dollars of miscellaneous like um buffer for our reno budget, utilities, um, you know, any of that kind of stuff. Cause we've got to pay for the power, we gotta pay for the water, we gotta pay for all that kind of stuff. So let's just throw a ten thousand dollar buffer in there. So we're into this thing. I'm, I almost want to throw up when I even say this, but we're into this three sixty four or something. Four forty eight. Four hundred and forty eight thousand dollars. Okay. <throat> That's without hard money costs. So let's just throw another, let's say ten thousand dollars in here for hard money costs. So we're in this for four hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Let's just round up four hundred and sixty thousand dollars. You know, That's our cost. All this this we're gonna call this probably not a deal. We're, but we're going to tell people why it's not a deal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. No, for sure. So let's say 460 is what we're all in on it, right? Now it's all renovated. We're going to put it on the market and you're going to find a comp. But let's say that we, let's say this thing sells for half a million dollars, which would be absolutely insane for this to sell for $500,000. Guys, if we sell this for $500,000 to a retail buyer, how much money will we make? Some, somebody will go, well, you're all into it, 460. <laughs> you sell it for 500. That means you made $40,000. <laughs> somebody in here is going, wait, Pace is, not? <laughs> pa or, Pace is leading us down this road for something. Guys, it's not $40,000. Essentially, what, what would you say is our average cost to sell a house right now? 8% uh, total? Yeah, I mean, you know, give or take with, you know, extra repairs that come up during during that time. I mean, you could call it 6%, you know. Okay, so that's agents, that's com that's we're paying Laura basically a flat fee, so she's not even getting mm -hmm. 1% essentially. Mm -hmm. So we're paying the buyer's agent how much? 2.5%. So we're buying the we're buying this at 2 and a half, we're paying the agent 2.5% on one side. Laura's got a flat fee of what are we paying her? 2500. So she's getting paid $2500 flat fee. So Two and a half percent of five hundred. You're at essentially 
10, uh, 12,500, 12,500, 12, 12, okay. So you're at 12,5, great. And then you got miscellaneous repairs and whatever else. Let's just call that another $8,000, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to make. And that's 18, not even closing costs. That's not even title fees. Right. If the buyer pays the closing costs and the title fees, which sometimes they do, we would walk away netting somewhere around $18,000 on that project if the property sold for $500,000, okay? So Cody, what I want you to do is let's show people how you're gonna come up with the ARV of this property. Cool, yeah, definitely. Um, so for, for everybody watching, I just wanna share this. Um, obviously, there's a couple tools that we've, that I've been pulling up on here. Um, one of them is the MLS, the multiple listing service here in Arizona. And so real estate agents get access to that. Um, it's great to be able to squat up with agents to be able to get access to it as well. You know, really updated information there. Um, the next best thing is going to be utilizing batch leads to comp. Um, so if you don't already have batch leads, you can, you know, jump over to batchleads.com forward slash Sunday and get that set up and be able to comp on there. Um, I just did a quick, you know, quick reference comp on, on MLS. I have videos on my YouTube channel showing how to comp on batch leads. So you can uh, check that out and learn how to use it if you don't already. Um, but how I came up with this all, you use the same criteria. So I'm just going to jump over and share my screen here. I already, uh, pulled this um, up. here's, here's an interesting question. Trilly says, um, while Cody's pulling that up, please help newbie legal jargon question. Seller is asking me to remove the cure section of the purchase contract. Should I do that? Absolutely not. The cure note, the cure section actually protects the seller more than it protects you. Yeah, that's strange. Like, why would the seller want you to remove something that protects them? Essentially, what does the cure notice do, Cody? Uh, if guys, if Cody and I, okay, Cody and I are in an agreement, okay, to buy, I'm going to buy Cody's house and we're going to close escrow on May 1st. Okay, Cody's the seller, I'm the buyer. May 1st comes and goes. I don't close escrow. The transaction has not been completed. The title company hasn't heard from me. Cody, what do you do if you're the seller? So in the state of Arizona, and every state's a little bit different, is you provide a notice. It's literally a cure notice, just for those of you that are like, that sounds scary, is just a notice saying, hey, our contract said that, Pace, on May 1st, our, this deal was supposed to close. It has not closed. And so I'm providing you formal notice of this piece of paper that says you have to perform within the next three, three days, meaning cure. I'm curing the contract that was there. And if you do not perform in those days, then I can, you know, cancel and exit this agreement and it's null and void at that point. Um, and so that's where Pace then would have to figure out either performing um, or renegotiating something to get a little longer with the escrow if there's an issue there. Um, so it's really that it, it typically is in the best interest for the the seller. But, you know, me as the buyer, we get to May 1st and Pace is like, I'm, I'm not closing. Uh, then, you know, I may, I could, or vice versa. He could make me perform as a seller. If I'm like, Oh, I just don't want to close. I, I'm not, I'm not selling anymore. He can also serve that cure notice to me as well. So it's, it's there to protect both parties. Really. It makes no sense for you to remove a cure notice. It doesn't harm anybody. It only helps everybody. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Somebody is, somebody, um, is, 
illogical or somebody gave them bad advice. So the answer is mm -hmm. don't take it out. Um, and have your seller come back and watch Sunday service. Tell them that they're a knucklehead and they should go watch Sunday service. Uh, Davey Stun, Pace, are you a licensed realtor? I thought you said your wife is. Just curious if it is needed for these investments. You do not need your real estate license to wholesale for the most part. You do not need your license to be a real estate investor. You do not need your real estate license to fix and flip. You don't need your license to buy and hold and renovate and build and all that kind of stuff. However, if you are somebody that wants to get your license, I would say the only benefit a license actually gives you is access to the next question that I'm going to answer for Yvonne, which is, do you ever comp using RPR? RPR is a tool only available to licensed realtors, just like the MLS. And I love RPR. The problem is when I teach how to comp using RPR and when Cody teaches how to comp using MLS or RPR, people go, wait, I don't have access to that. Even if they had money, they still don't have access to it. So we try and teach and um, show you guys how to comp in software like Batch Leads. Um, Batch Leads actually is a sponsor of Sunday Service now. Um, so we show you how to comp in something that you can just quickly sign up for and actually take action on. RPR is not something that's available to anybody unless you're a licensed real estate agent. Now, am I a licensed real estate agent? No, I'm not. I have repeatedly said hundreds and hundreds of times that I never will be a licensed realtor. However, I am changing my tune. I think that I'm going to show you guys how easy it is to become a licensed realtor. And I'm going to give you guys a day-by-day -day playbook on what it be, looks like to become a realtor on my YouTube channel to show you guys how absolutely ridiculously easy it is to become a licensed realtor. They do not teach you how to comp or evaluate properties. They do not teach you any of those kind of things. But I also believe, Cody, did you hear about the new legislation in Arizona? No. You are required now as a wholesaler to put that I am a wholesaler in your purchase contracts in Arizona. Interesting. This literally, the legislation just passed last week. Okay. I was like, dang, like where I've been like under a rock. <laughs> right. So it's happening, guys. This industry of wholesaling is going to be reg, uh, regulated to a point where unless you have a licensed, you're a licensed realtor, you are going to be continually pinched and pinched and pinched and pinched. So for me, I say, why not become a licensed realtor? You don't have to be a realtor to be a realtor, if that makes sense. So um, I'm actually going to do it sometime this year, probably at the end of the year, I'll, I'll become a licensed real, real estate agent um, and we'll have a lot of fun with it. Uh, Pace, I never received a call. I'm, oh, you're talking about being a broker. Um, I would reach out to my wife, what's next realty. My wife is the broker um, and we're starting a brokerage for teaching wholesalers how to real estate, how to invest in real estate. So please reach out to Cody or me, or I'm sorry, reach out to Cody or my wife and see what that looks like. Um, all right. Sorry about that. I derailed because I wanted to answer a couple of questions while Cody got this up and going. Cody, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to go through some of the the simple things that I that I had already pulled up as just a quick review. Um, again, if you really want an in-depth video showing you exactly how to comp, I have multiple videos showing you how to comp deals, how to analyze deals, 
why I do things in a certain way. So you can head over to my YouTube channel and see how to in-depth comp with batch leads as well. Um, I just did a very quick rough one here for you guys, but um, a couple things that I did. So our subject property is right in the center of the circle here. And so I've already uh, you know, taken the, the opportunity to draw out a mile uh, radius around the property. And typically what you want to do is you want to be looking at properties in the same subdivision. But we have a unique situation here. We have a property that's on almost an acre. They're all larger lots in this area of town. And I, I know that from knowing the town. Um, but when I look at it, I'm like, I'm not going to find what I need in the subdivision because it's all just, you know, different individual lots. Um, it's not really subdivided in a normal like homeowner association, you know, community. So I went out a mile because I, I needed to be able to find enough comparables for this property. Um, one of the other things that I did is I'm looking at closed sales um, because I don't I don't typically like to look at actives right off the bat or pendings or under contracts because those are, you know, those are dreamland and almost you know, a reality land, but closed or actual reality of what has closed. Um, so that's what I want to be looking at when I'm really going to be making a, de a decision. Like if you're going to be the one buying this, you want to make sure that the, the properties that have actually closed and sold, that you're going to be able to get a value similar to those. Um, so let's go ahead and take a look here. I did go back six months. Um, typically, I'll go anywhere from three to six months, three months. If there's enough sales, if there's not, I'll go back six months and a little bit further if I need to from there as well. Um, Here's an interesting I, one. Real Places say says, I disagree with not looking at pendings. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that typically makes me feel like this person's not actively fixing and flipping. Yeah, so it's a great... I'm, I'm really actually happy he brought that up because I, I go back after I've done my, my, my look more at what's closed and at what's actually you know, for certain closed and sold, I'll go back and look at what is pending and what's active. But here's the reason I do it. I don't do it to establish whether the value is there for this deal or not. I do it to establish what is currently happening in the market. If there, if I look at this and I'm like, oh, wow, this seems great based off everything that's closed, these six properties here that have closed, and I come up with a value, and then I go and look at what's actually active, and I see, oh my gosh, there's... 10 other properties that we're going to be competing with when we go to list our property, that's going to also alter my decision a little bit, whether we decide to buy a property. Because if there's a bunch of other comps and they're taking a lot longer to sell, they're sitting on the market, that's going to start to make me think maybe this area or this pocket's now taking longer to sell. I need to adjust at how long we'd be expecting to be in this project for based on what's active right now. And then the pendings and the under contracts, I look at those to establish again, how long did it take those ones that are pending and under contract to go under contract? And then also seeing what is that activity level looking like? So I, I use that more as a different, uh, different thing that I'm looking at. I'm looking at closed to see the hard facts of what truly is closed and what the market has actually, you know, for certain done. Pending and under contracts could cancel any day. 
appraisals could be you know screwed up on them they won't sell for as much they could sell for over it's a great gauge of what's currently happening in the market as far as okay there there's they seem to be actually selling faster it seems like people are listing higher so maybe we could sell this for a little bit more than what some of these closed but i don't use that as the first thing that i'm looking at i want to see what has truly actually sold so um, hopefully that helps make you know a better understanding on that. We will go look at those, but that's not the first thing I care about. Hold on just a second. Penn, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Hey, I, nobody tries to ignore you. It's a pretty strong uh, you, word to use. Nobody tries to ignore you on any of your things that you're saying. No, no, no. no. I'm, I, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to be abrasive. I just have oh, no, really... I'm not saying you are. I'm just, I'm just wanting to make sure I, I clarify that because I've never spoken to you and I, I just want to make sure if you're newer to our stuff, nobody's trying to ignore. We're just trying to present things to people. And then we leave like a Q and a towards the end. The challenge is, um, Penn, your name is Penn. That's correct. Awesome. So Penn, like today in the Gator method training, I, I, I mentioned that we're going to be doing the legalities and bringing in my attorneys in the future trainings. Right. Okay. And yeah. so today, at no point was I trying to train you guys on paperwork or the legalities of that. I'm going to leave that to the attorneys that's going to come into the future trainings. Was there something that you had a question about specifically that I could help out with quickly? And then we leave the trainings up to the attorney at some point in the future. That, that, that's a great point. Um, well, I, I have something that I can take immediate action on if I, find, if I feel like uh, I'm okay to take action on it uh, from a legal standpoint. And okay. so it, it's something that, you know, kind of can't wait till May 2nd. <laughs> um, but this is, um, this is the problem I have with creating new things. And it's like one of those things where you're on a road trip with kids and you're like, we're I heading to Disneyland. And they're like, are we there yet? Are we there? I'm like, I should have never told you we were going to Disneyland. <laughs> it's, it's Chris Farley trying to sell brake pads. Yeah, exa it's exactly. <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but just from like, you know, from a loan shark perspective, like we know usury rates and, um and so forth like there's only so much legal interest that we can actually charge but well, uh, i think well, I, I never i never mentioned I, that I, I we're charging interest answer. either right yeah exactly right i literally so I I never brought up answer. interest rates one time in that live and so you got to remember that what you're doing is you're doing a jv agreement with people and you're splitting uh the breakdown of a deal you're becoming a partner on the deal Right. So like, I don't, nobody's going to come after me for usury laws by me saying, Hey, give me 50% of your deal and I'll do a JV with you, which is what the agreement in the paperwork is. It's a JV agreement. So I, The answer is, and I think I know what it is, is you set a flat rate versus an interest. No, I wouldn't right. even do that. I do a case by case situation because again, if you do a flat rate, guess what you're doing? You're then put it, you're one, you're pigeonholing yourself because then somebody will come along and go, well, you did this and you said this on your such and such. And I'm like, ah. And I don't okay. really leave myself for any room for negotiating on future gator lending situations. Right. Right. So I don't, okay. I wouldn't suggest doing a, a flat fee. I would look at each individual deal as an individual um, ability to partner with somebody. And that gets you away from the usury laws first and foremost. And then it also keeps you away from pigeonholing yourself into a bad situation. I've had people that come to Cody and I go, Hey, I heard you funded my buddy's um, earnest money for a thousand dollars and he paid you 1500 bucks. And I'm like, gosh, damn it. <laughs> and, and you, yeah. you pigeonhole yourself. So don't, I would not market any of that kind of stuff. If that makes sense. It does. Yeah. I just, you know, I get a little bit concerned because when you present something like this to an attorney, especially in where I'm at doing deals, 
It's a very mm-hmm. small town and um, they look at it like you're predatory kind of lending when you present that kind of situation to them. It's like, look, yes, it is transactional for the most part, but you know, we're setting a flat rate. Like I want a part of the deal. Bring, bring I am, bring, I'm bringing value. I'm bringing value, you know, bring, so. bring your attorney into the training and we'll get them educated. Okay. Thank you guys. You're yeah, awesome. Anybody and that's part I, of the Gator, to... anybody that's part of the Gator tribe, please bring me, um, bring me your attorneys to the lives and we'll have a conversation with your attorney and our attorney that's doing all the paperwork on it. We'll have a great conversation and figure out all the little, um, bumps in the road that you, cause you're going to run into that, right? It's the same thing we run into as wholesalers is that all the time you're going to run into title companies and go wholesaling is illegal. Yeah. They're like <laughs> Sub, you know, subject to especially the where I, I mean, so I'm in the Hilton head area. Yeah. I don't know yep, if yep. you know that, but yeah. And so it's like, I, I mean, I deal outside of the Hilton area, like the non-prime area, you know, um, some prime areas, but mostly non-prime and, it's they're just like you can't do that. I'm like I, I absolutely can do that. <laughs> yep. So it, and, I uh, I call it I call it the bank teller paradox, and there's a whole story along with it, but I won't get into it today. It's just we've learned not to take anybody's word for it. We go through it and we test out. In fact, we've learned every time somebody says something's not possible, we go, "Ooh, there's a business opportunity here." Because if somebody's saying it's not possible, we know it is possible. And if we just figure out how to do it proper and legal with the right disclosures and the right paperwork we have a niche market that nobody else is even going into. And that's why Gator lending is so amazing. And so many people are excited about it because not a lot of people talk about it. Right. Right. It's huge, so, huge turnaround. Like I have a, I have a lender now. It's the sweetest deal ever. And um, I'm not going to tell you about it. It's too long, but uh, if I can get him in, give me the address uh, and we'll, we'll try and get, if I can get him you. into lending, like, and to tell him that, Hey, I can get you 120% of your money. He's going to be, blown out of the roof so if i'm passing off little deals to him while mm-hmm. he's financing me on my other deals and i'm just generating more profit for the bank that i can borrow from yep great wonderful hundred percent you guys are so invaluable i don't have to express how, how grateful i am and i'm sure all the community and everybody that follows you i Thank mean you, man. You guys are we, unbelievable. We, we work really Thank hard so i mean every every sunday night cody and i are like man we really put ourselves in a situation here committing to doing a podcast every Sunday at 7 PM every single week for the last two and a half years. Yeah. Um, it's tough. Like there's <laughs> yeah. moments where like Cody's coming home from a vacation and he's like getting off an airplane and rushing home to get on the podcast. Or there's a moment right before I came on this podcast, I, my little girl and my wife and my two other kids were all in a park and we're flying a kite together. And I'm sitting there going, I got to cut this short, sweetheart. I got to be on Sunday service. And so I do appreciate you noticing that a lot, Penn. So thank you so much. Thank you. Um, so guys, just on the Gator lending stuff, you guys are going to have a lot of questions on the Gator lending stuff. I would suggest um, for anybody that doesn't even know what that the Gator lending stuff is, go watch it on my YouTube channel. Um, we're going to release today's video probably on Tuesday. And then starting May 1st of next month, we're closing it out and we're creating something called the Gator Tribe. It's free training for about six months. As Cody and I go and raise about $25 million for multifamily projects, we're going to let you guys show up. We're going to let you guys show up and watch me raise capital live and work out deals. And then we're going to teach you guys how to Gator Lend uh, absolutely free as a really great way to give back to the community. But we only want to work with action takers. Um, and so a lot of people in here have taken action. If you have taken action, throw it in the side chat and say, yes, I have taken action. And we know exactly what that means. Cody, keep going. I'm so sorry. All good. All good. 
Um, I hope, you know, for the whoever had the question about looking at pendings, I hope my answer helped kind of elaborate on that. Yeah, he actually, he came back and he was like, yes, that's exactly what I was talking about. He was very happy that you did that. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I just have a process of how I'll go through and look at comps and the way I do it doesn't need to be the way that everyone does it exactly, but it's just, this is what works for me. It's, we get to the same result, but, um, I just like looking at the things that are going to turn me off first. Like if I look at, cause here, you know, to the person who had that, that comment on looking at pendings is let's say for example, you're like, you're basically saying like, if you're on Tinder, you're looking for somebody that has an eye patch before you look at somebody that has the right color hair. (laughs) nothing against pirates but like you're just looking for something you don't like first is that what you're doing yes yes exactly like i'm not why because when it's comping i want to comp as quick as possible like when i'll comp something i'm gonna do it in five minutes or less it's i don't want to spend 20 minutes doing this thing and then to come to realize i should have just looked at what closed because to give you guys an idea when I'm looking at the closed, if I if I see let's you know let's say that we need the ARV on this the after repaired value to be, you know five hundred thousand or five hundred fifty thousand, and I go to the closed and I see the highest thing that's actually closed is for four hundred and thirty thousand, but there's something pending at five hundred. I'm not buying that deal. I don't know what that five hundred thousand dollar pending is going to close at. We don't know if it came under way, way under appraised or what's going on with that deal. That thing could close at 435. So the closed is what we're really going to make decisions off of. The pendings and actives just give you the, you know, a, a reference of what's going on in the neighborhood and how it's going to look when you go to list it and what competition you're going to have when you go to list your property. So that's Cody. That's how, how do you, um, how do you comp? Or how do you calculate closing costs? <clears throat> um, so one of the one of the best things that you can do the kind of a the the lazy um, quick way to do it. I'll just pull up my calculator here. Oh man, is it not going to have us pop up? Dang it! Oh, there it is. Cool. Um, so if I'm looking at like the the quick way to do it, everyone is do five hundred thousand. All right, wait. 500,000 500,000 times 0.93. And so I'm going to explain this real quick. This is the lazy way to do it. You have to do it based on like what your closing costs look like, what agents are getting paid in your market. But here's how I come up with this cost. So when I do 500,000 times 0.93, what I'm establishing is that I'm probably going to have 7% cost of sale when I go to sell this property. So this is, again, the lazy way to do it. And where is that 7% coming from? Well, when I go to sell my property, again, everyone's going to be like, well, I don't pay agents that. I would never pay an agent that. I'm just doing this for the example. If you in a normal world you know, market, and a lot of agents are going to charge 3% to list the property. So that's where 3% of this comes from. The buyer's agent typically will get paid 3% as well. So that's going to get you to 6%. And so you say, Cody, what's that other 1%? Well, the other 1% is the the closing cost, the title fees, essentially. And so you can throw in 7% there because somewhere within that, you're going to be kind of in range in the cost of sale. Because say if you, you know, you pay the agents instead of 6%, you pay 5%. But then when you go to sell it, you end up having to 
you know, pay for some of your buyer's closing costs because they don't have enough money to pay for all their closing costs. So you get to 7% cost anyways. Like that, I'm just, this is just an example. So that's, that's how you can estimate it when you're doing the numbers. So if we look again at 500,000 times 0.93, we come up with 465,000. So if we're at a $500,000 sale on this property in particular, you can within range estimate to slash right off the top, you know, upwards of 7%. So that slashes off, you know, almost $40,000 of your of your profit, $35,000 of what people think is going to be profit because of those costs that you have to pay to get the property actually sold. So and that's where Pace was saying, you know, this property would, you know, if it could sell at 500000 maybe would make $18,000 or $15,000, right? So um, so that's where we're coming up with that from. Um, but I'm going to jump back over here. Just a couple of the things that I did. Um, really, I was just looking for properties that are, are similar square footage, uh, give or take. Again, you can go to my YouTube channel and see really nitty gritty details on this. But what I was trying to establish is finding some larger properties. So I just did that are bigger than 1500 square feet because we're at 2100. Typically, I'll do a range anywhere from 10 to 15%. So 10% bigger to 15% bigger to 10 to 15% smaller to get a smaller group of properties. Again, this is a more rural property. So I went a little bit larger on, on the scope of properties that I'm comparing it to because I don't have that many to compare. Um, and those are the only filters that I did. I just filtered it for manufactured homes. Um, and then, you know, within the square footage stuff that's sold within range. So let's just take a look at some of these that have actually sold here. Um, looking at the highest sale and it's on an acre, the highest, highest sale sold at 485,000. Okay. So here's where I could see somebody just, Oh, that's cute. It is nice. Yeah. It has a I, I like the, I garage. Like the separate garage. I like yep. the colors. Yep. They clean. did a good job on the remodel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Looks nice, clean. You know, it's not like the most modern and updated in the world. I mean, but it's some people cute. legit will look at that and go, this thing is exactly what I wish I owned. Oh, 100%. Not you, because you're bougie. <laughs> not oh. me. Not me, because I have bougie friends like Cody. And I, I know what good looks like because I know Cody. But that's a, I like that. It's cute. I, you know, stupid stuff that I'm into is that garage has an, um, a door on both the front and the back. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's like, how often am I going to be driving through my garage? I don't know. But the fact that I have an option that I could drive through the front and drive out the back, that's a big deal for me. Oh, I love that. But this the highest nice comp, 485. But what was the square footage on this? So the square footage on this was just 200 square feet smaller. Okay. So can we justify listing ours at 500,000 if ours is 200 square feet larger and has an extra bedroom? So I wouldn't justify it. And here's why. So what I'm looking at is, okay, it's 200 square feet smaller. It is nice. It's clean. Our properties. Uh, you know, our, is smaller on a smaller lot. This is on a true acre. Ours is on a 30,000 square foot lot. So, oh, so we're 20,000 square feet smaller. Yeah. So we're, we're a lot smaller. So when I'm looking at them, like we're on a smaller and that lot, that specific buyer also, mm. the specific buyer, that's wants a hot the acre. They want the land, the, the acre, to, and, the acre mm -hmm. to somebody that has a garage that goes, has a front door and a back door. Their land size is way more important to them than anything else. Mm -hmm. 
So this keep all this those having... commies out. <laughs> um, so so the the land here, you know, it's it's on a bigger lot. The square footage is such it's minimal. Even though ours does have another bedroom, it's just it that it kind of it's not really going to change that much. This also it has that detached two car garage as well. Um, and the other thing about this, I didn't even mention, I, I totally forgot to, to mention this. Ours fronts Riggs road, a main road. And this sits on a private secluded lot, which is a big deal. Okay. So what would you say if that's the highest comp, it's 200 square feet larger, but it also has a, or smaller, but it also has a larger lot. What would you say our ARV is? I mean, honestly, I'm going to say our ARV is probably like 475. Okay, so in, in this I scenario, mean, what you're telling me mm -hmm. is you're telling me in this scenario, if I go back to the math on this, that instead of us making $18,000 and selling it at 500000 right, mm -hmm. we're going to end up losing $7,000 on this deal best case scenario we're going to lose seven thousand dollars right yes okay so we already know that's not a deal now what i what i like about this cody is that we already know it's not a deal but let's find out what would it actually be a deal at for us so that we could give feedback either to our team so here's the thing that a lot of people are going to miss out on right so if you guys send us a deal now and you send me a deal in my DMs, my team is actually going to tell you why it's not a good deal. We're not going to just say no or ignore it. Starting tomorrow, Andrew on our team that's looking at my DMs, he's going to actually send you a Loom video and say, hey, this is why I like it. This is why I don't like it and actually give you an understanding. What I like about that is that you're coaching your JV partners. People are sending you opportunities to understand what you're looking for. And also, if you are doing this and you have an acquisition team, your acquisition team is then learning what you like and what you don't like as well. So um, what would we buy that deal at, Cody? Yeah, so looking at it, the thing that I, I don't, I, I really don't like fronting a main road, like, that's like, it just honestly sucks. Um, I mean, you say you, that, but we made $110,000 on Mesa Drive. But we also bought it for 40% of what it was actually worth. Okay. We'd be buying this at that's like very 80%. important. In, that's very important information. <laughs> so, yes, I know. Like if we're, if they sent this to us at like 200,000, I'd be like, yeah, buy it now. Hurry quickly. But it's, we're getting it sent at, they're trying to, you know, justify this, you know, maybe this as one of the good comps. They're justifying a property that is similar in square footage, not that much off, smaller lot, and that this is on a private lot that's secluded away versus Riggs Road, which is, I know I grew up on Riggs Road. That is a very highly trafficked road and it's right next to a high school. So it's going to be getting tons of traffic, tons of road noise. So that's not exactly desirable typically mm. for a buyer okay. and it's going to typically make it, you know, take a little longer to sell. Not always, obviously, but um, even this one that was, um, you know, the highest sale it took about 50 days to sell. Um, and so what I'm doing now is I'm just kind of looking at what, how long stuff's taking to sell. So this one took 40 days. Whoops. 
This one took 26 days. So it's looking like, you know, this took 73 days. So it looks like it's taken typically 30, 40 plus days um, to even have stuff sell over here. So that's something that we have to take into account as well. So, um, so what we'll do, I'm going to adjust for us being on, on Riggs road that I want to be more conservative. I'm probably thinking 450, 455. Um, is where I want to put a conservative number on the ARV because it's on Riggs Road and I don't really like that. And it's taking longer to sell. And if we ended up selling it for 460, 465, I'd rather be happy than be pissed that I bought it too high and you know lose money on the deal. So Love it. okay. So if we work the numbers backwards, and I don't know if you would you want me to do it on my calculator or do you want to draw it on your on your screen, Pace? Do me the calculator. Let's see if you know how to operate this calculator properly. Yeah, well, we'll see. So let's let's do this. Let's call it. Let's meet at let's say 460. I want to, you know, I'm I'm excited. I hope it sells for 460 when it's all said and done. So let's start at 460, 460,000. I'm gonna do it off of our numbers. How we would actually be looking at this um, if we bought it. So you know, the cost is gonna be a little bit different on the sale. So I'm going to, instead of doing 7%, I'm going to do 5%. Why am I doing five? If we just talked about, we pay two and a half percent to the buyer's agent and that we, you know, uh, pay Laura a flat fee of 2,500. Well, we may end up when we sell it, paying some of the closing costs for the buyer. It looks like these properties take longer to sell. There's not as many buyers fighting over it. So we can't count on us getting, uh, you know, not having to pay any closing costs to the buyer. So we have to keep that in mind. So I'm going to do a cost to sale of 5%. So right off the top, we're at 437,000. Um, and Pace, you said that's probably an $80,000 renovation. 80,000 with a $10,000 buffer. So 90 grand. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to chop off. And anybody 90, that doesn't understand what a buffer is, that means that, um, Oh shit factor. Feel shit factor that you have on every property. If I, if somebody out here can prove to me that they actually hit their renovation budgets, I will personally Always. retire from fixing and flipping and come work for you. Mm -hmm. Nobody hits their budgets. You might no. get close, but nobody hits their budgets or their timeline, especially both. And so you always have to have an oh shit factor. And we yeah. usually use about eight to 12%, somewhere in there. Yep. Yep. Depending on the age of the property condition, you know, there's just some variables, right? So, um, so we, we dropped off 90,000 for the, you know, for the renovation, getting everything done. Um, and then we also have to do something that's important, which is make money. We need to make money on this deal. And for us, we want to make typically 10%. Like I obviously we want to make more than that. Uh, but 10% is really what I'll look at is, Hey, you know, if it's under that, we're just really not that interested. Um, and so 10% is off of whatever we're selling that. So let's for easy math guys, I'm going to say, you know, uh, sell it at 460, $46,000. So, okay. That 46,000 is going to be our profit. So we squeeze that in. Um, we also, are going to have holding costs. So this is for us buying the deal. Everyone's going to have a different situation. So I'm going to just, this is for our cost of what this would look like. So Pace, how long do you think that would take, you know, that $90,000 budget start to finish? $1,000 a day is the, is the average renovation timeline. So that would take three months to do that project. Cool. So three months, so we'd close on it. It'd probably take the guys, you know, they'd scramble getting out there, get it started. 
call it three and a half months because there's always something that gets delayed for some reason or another. Oh, the windows aren't going to be in for three extra weeks because of the because of COVID and because of this. So I'm going to call it four months. But here's another thing. It's not just finishing the renovation. You have to sell it. And if it's taking at least a month to actually go under contract, that's five months. And then once you go under contract, typically your escrow, when, when you get under contract with the buyer, it's typically going to be 30 days, at least most cases. So we, we're at six months here. So if if we're looking at, and, and what would we be buying this for again, Pace? Was it 350? 350. So if we look at 350,000 and then 90,000 in our renovation, we're essentially financing because what we do in our company is we're going to buy this property with private. Hey, Swayam. Um, so Swayam, who your question is on the screen, but you continually ask in the side chat. I'm not upset about it. I just want to highlight to you that you continually copy and paste the same question every 30 seconds in the side chat. I have your question on the screen, which means I'm planning on answering it once Cody is done with the flow. So let Cody make his point, teach something, and then he'll answer your question. I appreciate the question. Just want to let you know how things work around here so that you understand how we get to it. Okay. Love it. So let's just, let's say 10%. We have private lenders anywhere from seven and a half to 10%. Typically that'll fund our deals. So let's just call it 10%, right? So if, if our, and, and I don't have that on the calculator here, I'm doing this on my phone because I need to keep this number up on the screen. Um, I need this, uh, I'm, I'm getting this at 350,000, 90,000, and the renovation budget, that's going to put me at $440,000 financed. And let's say it's at 10% interest. That's going to be over because we, we decided that it's going to take six months to get this done. So we're going to pay at $440,000 at 10, paying 10% interest paid monthly. We're going to pay $22,000 in private money payments on this deal. So... We would need to buy this, you know. We 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 worked backwards. If we if we're gonna sell this for four hundred sixty thousand, we're uh you know our cost of sale we took that out. The cost we're paying realtors, closing costs, all of those things. Uh, we had our renovation budget of ninety thousand already included, and then we had the cost of money because we use private lender money to do these deals. So that extra twenty two thousand over those six months that this money's out working. We need to buy this for two hundred and seventy-nine thousand for this deal to make any sense. To make sure that we're able to at least make ten percent on our money, or ten percent. So on it was the, originally the listed on the MLS at two eighty-five. It it that's why New Western immediately jumped all over this and they're like, "Oh, they're at two ninety-nine. It was on two ninety-nine. Oh, it was listed at two ninety-nine. Not listed. Mm -hmm. Why was it list? Why was it sent out at two eighty-five? Because other people said they saw the same house sent out on a wholesale list. Yeah, so what happened is New Western contracted it under list price, and then they sent it out at the price that they would make a profit at, and it was still under what it was listed for on the MLS. So they just negotiated with the agent to get it down more. Okay, so Cody, I want to talk. The reason why I kind of held off on this question is because I want to talk about something that a lot of people don't really hit on as strong as they should. We there's only three ways to make money in real estate. Okay, as a real estate investor. Now, if you're a real estate agent, you're not really 
in real estate, you are a service provider to people who are in real estate. Same thing as a notary, same thing as a title and age, a title and escrow officer, same thing as a bank, same thing as a broker. You are not a real estate um, investor in those situations. So as a real estate investor, there's only three ways to make money. You can wholesale, you can develop, which is fixing and flipping or building or adding on or doing whatever, or there's buying and holding. There's only three ways to make money. And the challenge is people that are wholesalers are kind of like just starting in the business, right? They haven't built their wealth yet. They haven't gotten cash flow and they're trying to get into the business, which is amazing. And they should be. This is the greatest business ever. Real estate is the greatest business. The thing that I see happen is wholesalers want a specific formula to tell them how to just calculate an offer very, very quickly. Because you've got people on YouTube and people in these really inexpensive um, like $300 wholesaling courses saying maximum allowable offer. Here's your formula. Calculate, just pull out your thing. Here's your formula. This is how much you offer. And then those are the same wholesalers that I see are DMing me or going out on our podcasts or in the live Zooms that are saying, I can't sell my deal. Do you know why I can't sell my deal? I used X, Y, and Z's amazing calculation that told me exactly what I should offer and I still can't sell my deal. What is what is our way of coming up with a wholesale maximum allowable, off, allowable offer? Is there a formula that we provide? No, I hate I hate the formulas. I don't like the formulas. And why is that? Because every market's different. Every market's different. Then there's going to be certain markets where you literally like like my buddy that's in New Jersey. If he locks up a deal, he he can't sell a deal to another investor in South Jersey above like 60% of ARV. But in Phoenix, you could sell deals at like 90% of ARV to some buyers. But so it's very market dependent. You have to know your market. You have to know your buyers. And that's why Pace talks about guys that you have to know your buyers before you just go out and start throwing out offers. Because you don't know what people are truly paying for those deals in your market. So it's really important to know. Yeah. You know, here's an interesting thing. We just sold a deal a couple months ago, I think 60 days ago, and made $81,000 assignment fee in um, Arizona here. And Cody and Matt both went to a known buyer of ours. The buyer, I don't know. Did he not give us an answer or did he just say he didn't want the deal? He didn't want the deal because after he walked it, he's like, dude, the basement's flooded. There's like there's like a bunch of weird stuff going on. He's like, I just don't want to deal with it. No problem. So we didn't take no for an answer. We ended up going out and finding another buyer and we made $81,000. So the, the thing is, the buyer is who determines the price. Okay. The buyer is who de determines the price. And so you guys just need to have a good buyers and have multiple conversations with buyers. Um, that's the real answer. Okay. Um, Bandit Bus Adventure says, hypothetically, if I, if I were to virtually attend Clever from the parking lot of the MGM Graham, would I get to meet everyone on the lunch break and after the day's events? Half joking, half serious. So I feel bad because the Clever Summit, um, originally they only planned on doing 1,200 in-person tickets and we ended up having 1,200 sub two students essentially sign up. And so sub two students basically packed out the, the physical event. So Cody Sperber, who runs the Clever Summit that is happening on April 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, he decided let's move the room to a 2,000-person event because now Ed Milet's speaking, 
Um, you got what's his name, Robert Kiyosaki, Robert Kiyosaki, handful of other really epic people, and so you've got a powerful three day event. Well, that physical event is sold out and has been sold out for nearly a month. And so we're getting a lot of people saying, how do I attend? How do I be there? Guys, it's sold out. Sorry. One thing I also know today is that on the live, on the Gator Method training that we did, we had 24, 2,500 people show up today. It was pretty cool. Wow. Cody Sperber was watching and he goes, hey, just want to let you know that our clever virtual tickets went up from $97 to $127. And now tonight they're going up to like $200. So guys, the Clever Summit tickets, if you guys, and Cody Sperber said, he texted me while we were on the Gator thing. He said, anybody that uses Pace's link today before they raise the prices, he will give you all the recordings for the event for free. So use the um, link. I don't know if I have the link. Let me see if I have the link. I'm getting a lot of people asking questions about Clever. So there's the link. It's really ugly. The link is about as ugly of a link as I've ever seen. HTTPS dot blah, 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 isrefer.com. Okay. Um, Arasio says, yes. Yep. I joined this morning's link. Awesome. Cool. So uh, a couple of good questions about comping and looking at deals. This one's J James Massey has asked this question multiple times. So Cody, how would you answer this question for somebody that's in Massachusetts? Oh my God. I mean, I'm looking read it out at loud that. First. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hey, Pace and Cody, I have a home on an island here in Massachusetts and need an ARV. The owner owns 5,000 square feet, five, five acres of the island. I have all the details. Can you help me comp it? My initial inclination is talk to a local agent or investor that is a, like an expert in that area. I, I don't know what buyers are paying for parcels of on an island. I don't do deals on on that. I don't I wouldn't be the best one to help you. I could try, but the best answer is going to be who do you know that you can call that actually buys deals like that or who do you know that's maybe a real estate agent that knows somebody that would buy deals like that. That's going to be the best way to be able to help you understand how to comp that. Like that's that's a complex deal, honestly. This is one of the challenges of Sunday service is that I want to just get on the phone and make phone calls. You know, because I think where people get really, really good value is if they run into a problem and we go, let's just call. Uh, Gage Schultz says, what's the promo co code? I think the promo code is automatically attached to the link, just FYI. So we get people to ask these amazing questions and then I'm like, let's just call right now. And when they're on the sub two Zooms with me and I'm just calling and I'm like, call a broker, call a realtor, call a seller, call whatever. That's where you get tremendous movement and traction in your brain of going, oh my gosh, this is how real deals are done. You just pick up the phone and work it out with people that you probably didn't know, right? Um, let's see here. Mm. Ooh, I want to I want to take this one here real quick. Uh, Mike says, why do you think people want a one size fits all formula? Isn't every deal kind of unique? I always wondered about this. So I know it's the kinda... answer to that. Go ahead. Take it. Take it. Short answer, I'll give you a short answer. Cody will give you another answer right after me. People want an easy button, man. They mm -hmm. Every mm -hmm. single exactly person wants an easy button. And if you, this is where like real estate gurus do really well. They're like, sign up for my course and you'll dominate the world in seven minutes. And you actually won't have to work that hard. Look at my Lamborghini. I'm wearing a bikini in my Lamborghini. All you have to do is press this easy button. And so- 
easy button is like really what people are looking for. They don't want to think, they don't want to work. They don't want to do anything. They it's like buying a pair of brand new sneakers thinking you're going to get a six pack app. Like if I buy the shit, if I buy the workout gear, I'm going to get fit, but I don't want to actually do the work. Right. And so I feel like most people that are looking for the maximal maximum allowable offer formula that they don't have to think about it ever again. They just go, Oh, Zillow says this calculate it. That's my offer. Those people are the ones that buy sneakers at Foot Locker expecting that they walk out and they're going to get a six-pack app. What's your answer, Cody? No, I mean, that's it's the same same answer. I think people just, they want to know, like, if I do this one thing, this one way, this is always going to be the thing. I think actually Jose did a great job here. Is like people also want a guide rail so they know they're on track. Go to my YouTube channel. Go on YouTube, type in Cody Barton comping. I literally have like three different videos on it and explaining all the different aspects to comping, what's important, what's not important, how to make sure that you stay within the guide rails so that you do a good job at comping deals. That's going to, that's, there's like 45 minutes of of content of doing that. So I'm not going to go too much deeper into that, but yes, there are some guide rails that you can follow but at the end of the day, it's very market specific. I feel like the best guideline and guide rails for you, and I, I think that that's a really great point as well. I agree with that. I think the best one is just talking to an actual real buyer, right? Like wholesalers are so afraid of, I don't know what it is about wholesalers and not wanting to build a relationship with real buyers. They're like afraid of buyers as much as they're afraid of sellers. And so they... Don't build relationships where they can call somebody and go, hey, what do you think about this house? That's the best guideline and the best like buffer or what bumper rails, like bowling. It's the best bumper rails you could ever ask for. Just having, damn, I feel like calling buyers right now. Um, Let's see. Hope the record. Yeah. Okay. So Ricardo says, hey, I bought it with Pace's link, but there was no code. Hope the recordings are given as they both are mentioned. Ricardo. I will, I promise you anything that I tell you, I'm going to give you, I have always given. Whether we give away a cell phone, we give away $10,000 in cash. Last month, we gave away $40,000. One person, I feel bad, slipped between the cracks. He was one of the people we promised we'd give him an iPhone, and our team just dropped the ball, and it took us like a week to get him an iPhone. Meanwhile, we were sending out wires for 10 grand, 10 grand, buying a car, blah, blah, blah. But I go, I sent Kelly an email. I go, Kelly, handle this right now. How dare us tell somebody we're going to give him an iPhone and take a week. He got the iPhone. He tagged us on the story, said, thank you, all that kind of stuff. I promise you that if I, if I tell you I'm going to give you something, we will always give that thing to you. We will always, always, always give that thing to you. And if I screw up, DM me and say, you screwed up. You promised this. You said this. And we'll fix it. Okay. Um, I want to grab this one real quick. So Real Places says, Cody, could you touch on some of what you've done to make this process you shared to be more efficient and quick in referencing to, you know, comping properties? So again, I, unfortunately, I, I hate to say it, but there isn't really an easy button for this. I would say some of the best things that you can do is, you know, having conversations with real buyers to understand what they actually will buy stuff at in the market you're doing deals at is one of them. Um, and the second is practice. 
I've comped thousands and thousands and thousands of properties and you know comp five houses a day 10 houses a day like if you're if you're working the business like you should practice comping like do five a day three a day like whatever you can commit to if you're struggling with it watch the videos jameel has great videos on comping i have great videos on comping um it's really just practice. It's like, it's the, you know, like Pace said, you can't just buy the shoes and then, you know, you have six pack abs. Like you gotta, you gotta go on runs. You gotta consistently, you know, have the diet. It's like with comping, like you gotta talk to the buyers, understand what buyers actually buy at. And then you actually need to go back and, you know, run the numbers and then bring them to the, to the buyers. If you're like, well, I don't know if I'm coming up with the right numbers. If you have relationships with these buyers, comp deals, send it to them. Hey, I had this deal. This is what I came up with. You know, um, does this make sense for something you'd want to buy? Please give me feedback. If you're seeing something I'm not seeing, help me out here. Buyers love to do that. I do that whenever people bring bring me deals to look at. I'll say, hey, you know, this one's not a good fit. Here's what I'm seeing. You know, I'd probably want it lower. Um, you know, if there's wiggle room, great. If not, you know, that's okay too. But that's you got to have those, you got to have those conversations. That's how you're going to learn. And that's how you're truly, that's, that's the, the, the magic bullet to, to that, uh, you know, getting good at it. Right. Um, a really easy one. Like if you guys, here's, here's the thing is like, I gave this advice to somebody recently. This is the best advice I can give you about comping deals is let's see here. Where is that? I want to find this so I can give you guys this link so you guys can just go and set this up yourself. Oh my gosh, I got so many emails. Oh my gosh. I have not touched my emails in like four days since the New York trip. Oh my word. I'm like, I'm behind. It's stressing me out. Yeah, I was like freaking dead sick all last week. I'm like coming up for air and I'm like, I'm so behind. What'd you get? I had sinusitis. What? Yeah, my sinuses are still jacked up, but damn, we're here. We're here. (laughs) Um, Okay, so here's what I would do. New Western is in multiple markets. I would also do this with Keegley, but Cody, let me know what you think of this advice. I would go to New Western's website, newwestern.com right here. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. And I would reach out to them and look for, check this out, um, investment properties. Click on here. Gain access to our exclusive inventory of investment properties, investing state. Look at all these states they're in, guys. They're in a lot of states. Mm -hmm. Okay. I would go on here and see what they have available for fixing and flipping. Okay. Now, why would I do that? Well, because every morning I would go through and comp those deals, even with no intention of actually buying them. I would just comp them and go through the process of comping and comping and comping. Then I would also go through the process of finding a buyer in your local market and have them verify after looking at the deal, whether you were right or you were wrong, et cetera. The other thing is you can go to Keegly. Let's go to Keegly.com. I think it's Keegly.com. It might be, um, here you go. Investing franchises, sell, submit a wholesale property. Let's see. Investing. Here we go. Properties, deal alerts, go on here and, Check out these all these states, guys. They have all these states that you can just go in and ask for deals. They've got deals just sitting on their website. These are actual properties that are going to sell. And what's going to happen is you can track these properties. You can go in there and go, I'm going to just comp five properties a day. Should take 30 minutes to comp five properties a day. 
Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to follow these five properties A and see who bought them in 30 days from today. And I'm going to reach out because those are your buyers. And then just keep reaching out to the, keep comping and keep looking for deals. And after a couple of months of doing that, like Michael um, Zuber had a really good um, piece of advice for people like a year ago. He said, just look at all the deals that are selling in your market and get to the point where you understand all your zip codes in your market to a point where you're like a master. Mm -hmm. You can tell very quickly what a, a property is worth after just comping hundreds and hundreds of properties, right? Yeah, oh, Myron says this. Myron says this. He goes, you could do that with LoopNet and um, underwrite multifamily, I guess, too. Yes, that's that's what the magic of the internet is. It allows you to do all of this stuff. Ooh, can you recommend a wholesale website with properties in Oregon? Yes, I can. Watch, watch me, Guadalupe. Watch I, me. Do I, it. I I think I know what you're gonna do. I'm gonna laugh if if you do it. I think you're gonna do. But go ahead. Check it out. <laughs> so here's the thing is all of these people right here that say oh home investors right there <laughs> um anybody that, says that well, was the easy button pace <laughs> oh damn check it out oregon uh, by the way I spelled oregon incorrectly I went to spell it with an O and then it tried to correct me. Check it out. Oregon cash buyers home. So why am I going to a cash buyers website? Well, because none of these people are actually cash buyers. Okay. Um, they are not actual cash buyers. They are wholesalers. And so what you want to do is you want to reach out to them and you want to say, hey, can I please get on your list for deals? In fact, I kind of want to call them right now. It's, eight, it's too late. It's eight o'clock at night, but eight o'clock on a Sunday. But that's how you do it. You call them and say, can I get on your list? It's very simple. You can do this anywhere in the in the country, by the way. It's not that hard. None of those people that are saying they're cash buyers are really cash. I shouldn't say none. 95% of them are not really cash buyers. They're wholesalers, which is perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wish Sunday service was not on Sunday. Because then we could actually do some work. You know what I'm saying? Like we could get yeah. to it. We could get to it. Um. Pretty easy stuff. Um, so, guys, next week, Cody, what do you want to cover? Shoot, Should we I call mean, cash buyers next week in, like, Hawaii? <laughs> I mean, we could we could do that. Let's do that. I mean, why not? It's, it's earlier in the day. Of, it's, like, 4 o'clock on a Sunday. Let's do that. Yeah. I mean, real cash buyers are happy to talk about deals. So Let's do that. Next week, we're going to pull a cash buyers list on batch leads. And Pace and Cody are going to actually call cash buyers in Hawaii because it's not eight o'clock on a Sunday night or East Coast. Uh, Malcolm Finlay says, "Do it now. It's eight fifteen, bro. I'm going to go get laid. I mean, I'm going to go hang out with my wife. Sorry, Sunday. <laughs> I should be more PC. So, um, never that. Next week, Sunday service. We will do." calling cash buyers in Hawaii because it's like four o'clock and Cody will pull a list on batch leads. We'll show you guys how to do it. We'll show you how to quickly pull a cash buyers list in Hawaii and within five minutes, be on a phone call with a cash buyer in Hawaii. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Let's you do down it. with that down down. All right. 
Guys, thank you so much for Sunday service. Cody, what do you want to what do you want to push? How's your YouTube channel going? Or do you think all 600 people in here are subscribed to your YouTube channel? No, but if people want to hit hit an easier button, you should definitely go over to my YouTube channel, subscribe. All I do, I put out all the boring stuff. Like the reason that a lot of what you guys consume sucks is because you just get so excited and want to like mentally masturbate over like this, mm. like the really exciting stuff. Agreed. All I do is put out the stuff that really matters on like the, the back the end stuff of that like pushes the needle. Yeah. Like comping, you know, uh, underwriting deals, like, you know, structuring your entities properly, setting up an EIN number. Like there's all this like random stuff that you have to do in the back end, like managing your money for your business, managing your money for your personal life. Like that's, that's what I talk about is like real stuff. That's really helped me and is, you know, all, all of the things that have accumulated helping, you know, learning from uh, mentors of mine to become a millionaire in my twenties. I literally put out free stuff on YouTube and then people text me and DM me on Instagram asking me questions. I'm like, I literally have a YouTube video answering that exact thing. And you haven't even went to my YouTube channel ever. So like that's that's literally what it's there for. And that's what I put out the content there for. So check it out on YouTube. Um, obviously, guys, as you can see, you know, uh, we are sponsored by Batch Leads. So you can get free records if you're going to be pulling cash buyers or you're going to be marketing to sellers. You can use batchleads.io forward slash Sunday and get 5,000 free records utilizing them. Pace, anything that you got that you want to close up with? I just want to call cash buyers right now, but I think we're going to have to wait until next Sunday. So um, next Sunday, guys, come back. We're going to call cash buyers. We're going to show you guys how to have a cash buyer become your friend within a four or five minute phone call. We're going to blow your guys' mind. So now when people go, how do I find cash buyers? And what's my script in talking to cash buyers? This is going to be the Sunday service that we and our team refers everybody to when that question pops up. So next Sunday, Sunday service, 7 p.m., Cody and I will be calling cash buyers in Hawaii because at that point, I think it's 3 p.m., which is perfectly reasonable to be bothering people in Hawaii at 3 p.m. because that's about when they wake up. <laughs> I mean, they just chilling. You know what I'm saying? It's like wake up at 3, stay out till 8, 9 o'clock. You know, that's, that's what I imagine Hawaii life is. So, guys, thank you so much. Sunday service, we are out. Oh,